Every play, every musical, begins with some writer putting words on a page. Hello, and welcome to Stagecraft, the Broadway radio podcast that talks to playwrights and musical book writers about the shows they've created. My name is Jan Simpson, and my guest this week is Will Arbery, whose fascinating new play, Heralds of the Fourth Turning, is currently running at Playwrights Horizons through November 10th. We had a wide-ranging conversation about it, but I need to apologize in advance for some banging you may hear in the background from the renovations my neighbors are doing on their apartment upstairs. Hello, Will Arbery. Welcome to Broadway Radio. Thank you for having me. Uh, We're going to jump right in and uh, have you tell our listeners what Heroes of the Fourth Turning is about. If you could just sort of summarize it for those of them who haven't had the chance to see it yet. Sure. Um, Heroes of the Fourth Turning is about a group of four young Catholic conservatives um, who are gathered in a backyard in Wyoming. And it's the night of the inauguration of the first female president of a tiny Catholic college out there. And it's one of the characters' mother, their alumni who have returned to celebrate their favorite professor's new appointment. And they're, they're in the backyard drinking, smoking cigarettes, waiting for her to arrive. And debates uh, start to unfurl as well as um, old personal histories. That's a good that that's a good tidy uh, summary. <laughs> We're going to untidy it in a second, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot tidier in blurb version than it is in in uh, real life. <laughs> I'm going to start yeah. by uh, asking you to also define f- for us the title. What is the fourth turning? Uh, sure. Um, well, that that takes its name from a book called Fourth Turning, which is by two historians, William Strauss and Neil Howe. I read about it when when I was um, reading an article about Steve Bannon in the New York Times about how there was this sort of pop historical theory that he was really fascinated with. And so I picked up a copy of that and I read it and it basically argues that history goes in generational cycles of a couple of decades each and that it's basically a series a a cycle of destruction and then rebuilding and then destruction and then rebuilding and you know i read in this article that bannon this is steve bannon who was uh donald trump's uh advisor yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and um and i just thought it was sort of chilling that, that this man who had the president's ear sort of believed that we were in this period of crisis and destruction and it made me ask the question well if you believe that we're already in a period of crisis then what will you do to make sure that that crisis is actually happening (laughs) Uh, so is that where the idea for the play came from reading about uh bannon and the fourth turning and then reading the fourth turning itself or did the idea uh originate somewhere else it actually originated somewhere else. Um, I grew up in this sort of environment. Um, I was raised by very Catholic conservative professors, and um, it was a, it was an intense 
uh, home environment and childhood, you know, very, very intellectual, very religious, very deeply and passionately held beliefs. And so I had, I had drifted away from that world and, and made my way into the New York theater scene and felt more and more called to, to create an accurate uh, depiction of what that, what those kinds of conversations look like. And so initially it was just, it was just that, like I wanted to immerse the audience in, in this hyper-specific world of Catholic intellectual conservatism. But then after the election, the Bannon stuff and the fourth turning theory sort of helped me build out this character of Teresa in the play. And I sort of just decided, okay, maybe she, maybe she's someone who is, is a follower of Steve Bannon. And, and once she found out he liked this book, she got this book too. And, and so she sort of became my way into that more, um, that more extreme version of conservatism. There are five characters uh, in this play. And I think the thing that's so remarkable, um, uh, one of the things that's so remarkable about your play is that at least for a New York play, a play, play that's being done here, all of the characters are conservatives. And I was wondering, as you worked on the, the play, was it important to you not to include a liberal who was kind of like a foil for them. You know, it could be somebody brings home their liberal friend and everybody jumps on that person or that person <laughs> pokes at them. Was it important for you to keep the conversation within uh, a group of conservatives? Yes, that was the idea for for the whole experiment of it and even the fact that you were able to so um articulately point out the trope of like bringing home someone who <laughs> uh that doesn't believe you know it just speaks to how much of a cliche that is and i yeah i very deliberately didn't want to give the audience that um sort of easy stand-in and i think it's a much more disorienting and lingering experience when you see when you see genuine disagreement and debate, but from within what you think of as like a monolithic political force. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm just going to run through very quickly for the listeners. There's Justin, who seems sort of to want to be within the insular world of religion and conservatism. And then there's uh, Emily, who's a little more willing to look at other points of view. There's Teresa, who's the hardliner that you've talked about. And then there's Kevin, who seems to be a little more unmoored. I mm -hmm. wondered, there's any one of them that you identify with more, you have more sympathy for, you enjoyed writing more? Well... You know, the, there is a sense in which, you know, Kevin's questioning feels close to how I was maybe at an earlier time in my life, perhaps in in high school. But but really all all five of these characters are based on people who aren't myself to varying degrees. And some of them are sort of amalgamations of, of people that I've known. And, you know, what's interesting is that despite all of them sort of being uh, inspired by people who aren't me, I also feel, you know, because that's how writing works, I feel like I'm inside all of them as well. And, you know, there are even like a lot of people who are intensely progressive leftist, um, 
have come and really sort of to their surprise identified with the character of Teresa, who's the most extreme right wing character, because the absolutism with which she speaks, the confidence, but also, you know, the thin mask of, uh, you know, covering up insecurity, like it's just very relatable. And especially in these days in which we feel like we're supposed to be ironclad in our beliefs and and reject anyone who um, doesn't see it the same way. And and she sort of has like an iconoclastic energy, which I think a lot of people, to their great surprise, really relate to. And I do as well. So, you know, there's, um, I see myself, I see myself in all of them. And at the same time, like, you know, the people who, who the characters are based on, if they looked at this play, they would, they would recognize themselves and they would recognize that I'm someone who has left that world. And I, you know, I'm more liberal now and so it was a real act of like coming home the experience of writing this play Hmm, hmm. i want to talk just a little bit about the character of emily she's the one who has friends who have worked for planned parenthood i was interested in the fact that she is also uh in the play someone who has a chronic illness that makes it difficult for her to move around, that subjects her to to periods of intense pain. And I wondered why you chose that affliction for that character. Well, to be honest, that character is based on my younger sister, Monica. And um, so um, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, I, you know, I'm choosing to, have this character be this way because of the specific reason. It was more like I'm really inspired by Monica, and I and I think that the way she manages to stay so true to her to her faith and to her relationship with God, um, despite tremendous pain. I, I mean, I, I I just think that that's remarkable, and the experience that she went through with uh, Lyme disease was was very terrifying and and it got really scary at one point and we thought we were going to lose her and it it affected not only her her body and was debilitating and paralyzing and sort of this constant aching time but it also affected of course her her brain and her mind and her soul and so i was just so amazed by her ability to navigate that and and move through it have members of your family seen the play um not yet, but this weekend is actually the big weekend. So oh. my two of my sisters are coming on Friday, and then my parents are coming on Sunday. So that'll be that'll be really interesting. And <laughs> they obviously know what it's about. Have they read it? Mm-hmm. Yes, my parents read an earlier version in uh, earlier this year. I, I actually flew out to Wyoming and and gave it to them there because I, you know, I. I wanted to have that experience in person. It was, it's, it's a big, you know, it's a big gesture. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not necessarily one, you know, uh, easy to swallow. I mean, I think that it's, I think that it's ultimately a gift and a sign of, you know, me saying like, look, I, I respect you and I've been listening to you and I've taken this stuff really seriously and the stuff I didn't understand, I've tried to learn more about but I don't think that the play is ultimately some sort of like in- endorsement of of their work, but it is like a a clear-eyed sort of offering to mm-hmm. to them and to the progressive audience and to anyone who comes to see it. 
And that comes like that, that meant that I had to like dig into some painful truths and, and do some painful work. And, you know, it's not going to be easy, but I think that that ultimately is, is better for everyone. And they would never want me to write something that was like some sort of like propaganda piece for you know, <laughs> conservative ideology. Like that's not good. That wouldn't be good art. Did they have so, any yeah. suggestions when they, when they wrote the play? Yeah, they totally did. I mean, <laughs> they, um, they're, they're very, um, very smart and critical people. So, <laughs> you know, their, their suggestions, I think ultimately made the, you know, some of them I took, some of them I didn't. And I think it ultimately made the play better. I mean, there were like references to certain theologians or poets that like, that they said, you know, they should talk about this here. And I was like, okay, that's a great idea. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. um, it made the, it made the world feel more, um, accurate. And, um, so I was really grateful for that. Yeah. One of the things, uh, that is also interesting is that you set the play, the time of the play, uh, a week after the Charlottesville riot in which white nationalists protested the removal of uh, some Confederate-era statues, and one drove a car into a crowd of anti-protesters killing um, a young uh, woman. And I was wondering, why did you set it then? Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I think, a time of real real identity crisis for you know, for, for conservative America, which they had already been going through. But to see, um, to see these people, you know, marching on the streets with tiki torches and, and looking for all the world, like, you know, like that's what racism looks like. That's what, that's what white supremacy looks like. Um, it was a real, real moment of reckoning, I think. And what's interesting about it is that, you know, despite the fact that a lot of conservatives really do object to the removal of Confederate statues, they I think that there was almost a sense of gratitude <laughs> that like that we could point to a common enemy and say, like, look, those those guys marching with torches are villains. They're racist. They're like the KKK. That's not us. That's that's those extreme um, horrible people. And we're not like that. And yet I do, I, I, I do think that there was a lingering sense of like unease because of course at the heart of it is still like, you know, we don't want those statues removed. And, you know, Trump talking about bad people on both sides, that, that, that language that he used was language that came from conservative circles of talking about this moment of unrest and unease and, and discord. So I don't know. It just felt like a really charged moment to be dropping into. It was also like it takes the play takes place the night after Bannon's quote unquote resignation from the from the White House, and and also two days before the solar eclipse, which was a, was a moment of sort of everyone in the country coming together to behold this thing of of beauty. So there's there's both sides to it. There's both the discord and the and the unity. <laughs> you know, we're all just people looking at the sun too. Is it? Difficult for you to sort of be the standard bearer for explaining conservatism to people who are more apt to be seeing a play at Playwrights Horizon. Um, it does. It does have its difficulties. I mean, you know, 
what's helpful is that I'm not claiming to be any sort of expert about conservatism as a whole, but I do have um, a specific access into one um, specific pocket of it. And, and I tried to be as rigorous as I could within that specific pocket. And I think people are appreciating having that access. What's been more interesting for me is the way that, that um, conservative writers have received it. And it's been, it's been very well received by both sides. And, and I didn't quite expect that. And, and, and I've just been, I've just been so curious by the, by the glowing responses from conservative writers, because, you know, I think that there's a real, I get a real sense that they are um, very appreciative of the, of the representation um, happening. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's an, an irony in that because, because those same people tend to be vocally upset when there are different kinds of representation happening in the culture. So um, it's an interesting moment. What I always want to hear is what troubles people about the play, what questions they still have about it, what they can't shake, what, you know, what really got under their skin. And, and so I hope that some of the conservative conversation around it moves more into that territory rather than just the appreciation at being seen. And that you're looking for, hoping for from the conservative side. What are you hoping for, looking for from the liberal or progressive side? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of that is already happening. I think people are are feeling sort of shaken and and humbled by how much they either how much they didn't know or maybe just like how. Um, seriously, they weren't taking it, um, and to and to meet these characters who take it very seriously and who are so um, clearly not stupid. I think people are people on the left seem seem grateful um, for that, and you know, I I think that you know this is this is a, a democratic society, and and one thing I'm learning from this play is that it's just how much of a citizen each one of us is, and how um, how much responsibility we all seem to take for the future of our country. And I, and I see, you know, I, it's, it's very inspiring to see people on the left receive this play and then sort of take responsibility to learn more and understand more. I just think it's beautiful. Yeah, I think particularly at this real tumultuous time in, in our political discourse, this is a, a much uh, welcomed uh, play, and so we want to we want to thank you for it, and of course we want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about it. Oh, thank you! It was so wonderful to have the opportunity. <laughs> and thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back next time, and that you'll consider supporting this show and all the other Broadway Radio podcasts with a contribution via our Patreon page. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can find the page and some extras at patreon.com slash broadwayradio.